a production of WordSouth, a content marketing company. Story Connect, the podcast, helping communicators discover ideas to shape their stories and connect with their customers. Is your telco ready for disruption? Hello again, I'm your host, Stephen Smith. Brad Molander with NISC spoke on the topic of disruptive technology at the recent R-Time, the premier event of NTCA, the Rural Broadband Association. At R-Time, WordSouth's Andy Johns interviewed Brad about this topic, as well as the benefits utilities can see from community involvement. Let's listen in to their conversation. All right, well, we are back here with another live recording from Our Time 2016 down here in Orlando. Our guest right now is Brad Molander from NISC. Brad, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Now, Brad led a talk um, on one of the days of the conference uh, about disruptive technologies. Quite a bit of it is things that marketers uh, need to know about. And then Brad's also got some other uh, marketing examples that we were talking about here with the uh, telcos being involved in the community. But Brad, let's first talk about disruptive technology. What what were some of the things you presented about, and what are some of the things that drew the most interest from the crowd here? Well, it's a pretty common topic at a lot of trade shows now, is how do you manage and create disruptions in your business? And one of the things that we were talking to on Sunday was how do rural telcos, rural utilities prepare for disruptions in their traditional way of thinking? And so over the years, uh, you know, a lot of the, t- the competition that they've seen was from larger companies trying to encringe on their regions and their territory. But one of the biggest areas of competition I think that's developing now is simply for consumers' time. Uh, when they go to that Gmail inbox in the morning and there's 100 new messages, uh, your competition now, whether you're a utility or a, a telecom, is Amazon and Target. And you need to be able to get that consumer's attention so that you can stay relevant. Right. Now, when you say disrupt, disruptive technologies, let's just kind of define that. You're talking about basically the Netflixes, the Ubers, that sort of thing, right? Yeah. I mean, it's basically taking a principle and inverting it and saying, well, what if that wasn't true? Either your premise or your conclusion and trying to work backwards from there and, and trying to find a, a solution that may not have been obvious for traditional way of thinking. And how is that shaping? Um, you know, uh, obviously, you look at Netflix and Blockbuster, I guess, be a pretty good example uh, with that. And then Uber, you know, with a lot of local taxi companies, that sort of thing. What are some examples of how this is changing industries? Well, that's the thing. I think there's some good uh, lighthouses, if you will, of companies that did not fare well and manage change, such as Black, uh, Blockbuster and taxi cab companies. And, you know, what's interesting to me is instead of trying to innovate, uh, like the taxi cab companies, for instance, instead of trying to innovate and make that experience simpler and easier on the consumer, um, they've chosen to go to litigation and regulation to try to keep Uber and Lyft out of their business. But what's unfortunate for them is that's going to be a a fruitless war. They're not going to win it in the end. Um, And it's really kind of preventing a lot of those workers that are in the taxi cab companies from pursuing and innovating on their own. So it's kind of disappointing in that respect, and it definitely gets political. But, you know, I think as a a telco and a a utility, you know, being resilient to that and noticing and realizing that and speaking to it at conferences like this, uh, I hope it, you know, helps prepare uh, the member organizations of NTCA, helps them prepare, and especially the directors, so that they understand what's going on. And, you know, those tech guys in the back office, when they come up with these crazy ideas and they want to pursue something new and innovative, um, you know, one of our goals was to help those directors prepare for that and understand that and have that conversation. 
Are there some things that have disrupted the rural telco industry? Uh, what are some things that fall into that category uh, specifically for this industry? Well, I'd say it's competition is a big one. Um, what I'm really proud of is with, uh, you know, NIC members and NTCA members, what I'm really proud of is just the service that they provide in their territories. And instead of being uh, encroached on and infringed on, I think a lot of these telcos are really modernizing their, their infrastructure, and they're doing it because they want to add more value. They're doing it because it's the right thing to do for their communities, and they're more attached to those communities. And so I think that uh, you know, some of these consumers that live in rural America, um, you know, who are you going to trust more, a national organization that's all over the media or somebody that's in your small hometown that's part of your community events? Great. What, uh, from a marketing perspective, uh, what are some things that, that marketers need to think about when it comes to disruptive technology, either within, inside the industry or outside? Well, I think one thing, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, some of the competition that they are facing now isn't from traditional sources. Um, even Netflix, for instance, you know, some, some telcos will see that as a threat. Some other will see that as an asset. You know, if you're on, a, you know, a more old school line uh, without a lot of bandwidth, Netflix probably isn't an option. But if you're running fiber to the home in those communities, suddenly next Netflix could be one of your best marketing uh, ploys. And so just letting customers know what those differences are and be able to articulate them in this huge sea of information, you know, we call that right, managing your signal-to-noise ratio, uh, being able to do that consistently and really reach as many people as you can, um, that, that's probably going to separate the more successful telcos from more old-school thinking. Sure. Sure, I like the way you mentioned that your signal to noise ratio. Uh, you know, go into that a little bit deeper if you mind. How, what, what do you advise folks uh, to keep that, uh, you know, in line with with what their objectives are? Yeah, one of the the biggest challenges I think uh, for marketing professionals and, and advertisement agencies today is, you know, are you overreaching? You know, are you engaging the consumer at the wrong times to where they will start dismissing you over time? They see that subject line in the email. I've already seen that. I've already done that. I want to see it again. Um, actually, a, good, a really good piece of feedback I've gotten from one of our members was uh, uh, Fitbit reports. Fitbits are wildly popular today. A lot of people are wearing them. But, we're, you know, we're starting to see, you know, anecdotally people in our organization that are really health-minded kind of lose interest because the reports always tell them something they already know. They know how many steps they got, and they know roughly what that means over time. And so companies even like Fitbit are going to have to tune that message and make sure when they do engage the customer, um, that they're doing it at the right time and giving them a reason for that engagement. And also, uh, you know, tailing on the end of that, it's, no, it's not enough just to have a good engagement strategy. You really want to measure it. And so if you have good auditing out there uh, through push notifications and email, some of the more technical sides of this, and you can keep track of that over time, um, you can actually measure the effective, effectiveness of those campaigns and help tailor that. For some of the uh, members here that have more diverse territories that may span multiple towns, you know, they may see different patterns, either by wealth or technology adoption rates. Um, those are going to be different types of people to market to. And over time, developing a good um, intelligence index of those uh, consumers and understanding which neighborhoods are uh, more uh, proactive, which ones are more technology adapted, that's going to help you market solutions better over time as well. 
Great, great. Now, outside of the technical realm, which is obviously, I, I think, where you spend uh, you know, most of your, your energies, but just talking before we were recording, you've got some, some great examples or things you've seen telcos doing um, that, that is being involved in their community. That's obviously such an asset of a lot of the cooperatives and independents uh, in NTCA. But uh, you mentioned some of those examples. If you would just share a few of those again about uh, what you've seen telcos kind of doing it the right way, getting involved uh, you know, from a marketing perspective in PR, too. Well, I think traditionally they've just, a lot of them have been outstanding. A lot of them are uh, allow their space to be used by the community, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, uh, other community festivals, things like that. Uh, but more recently, we're seeing more members get engaged with activities, um, not necessarily doing the planning, but helping with the scheduling and some of the notifications. So in a small town like that, um, for a small municipality, it's going to be very hard for them to do anything other than a newsletter or an email list. Um, and then, of course, they, they're probably not as akin to marketing and, and auditing that over time. But I think if a, a telco or utility has a really good um, marketing strategy that's backed up by intelligence, they're much better positioned to help those local municipalities um, get information out, really just as a good steward of the community. And I think just traditionally, a lot of the people that work in this industry, they're much more akin to believing in their community and believing in people than a lot of those national organizations do. You mentioned earlier um, some some things that a uh, telco can do to kind of make themselves the center of the universe, I think was a phrase you used, that, you know, becoming that hub in the community. Uh, talk a little bit about those. Yeah, I mean, some of the examples that we've seen, um, some of these organizations will help announce school days. So if you've got a mobile application out in the store and you got good wireless coverage, it can be pretty hard. You know, when I was little, the only way we knew a school was going to be closed is we had to watch the news. And of course, uh, I grew up in Fairfax, Virginia, and so when you're watching the school listings, you know, it could take you 15 minutes till you found yours. Um, it's quite a daunting task. But if you're in a municipality and the, your telco has, uh, your telco provider has access to where you live, they know where the school districts are, a lot of them track that anyway, you know, you can send targeted push notifications. We have a platform that allows them to do that as well. They can lasso that up and send that notification out within just a couple minutes. And that way, too, you know, they, they can help supplement a lot of what the high schools and, and elementary schools are doing without being in the way of it. But that forces a good communication, uh, good cooperation, and I think that that's a really good sign of uh, civic, civic duty. Absolutely. We're talking with Brad Molander here from NISC, uh, just about technology tools, both for uh, and some data tools for both telcos and electrics. There's a lot of tools that that electric folks may not even know are out there for them to to be able to use. You know, one of the nice things at NISC is we kind of serve both industries, and so a lot of the tools we develop that were originally tailored towards telcos are now being ported and meaningful on the utility side. Um, and one of the biggest things that we need, we'd like to know is if you're sitting in a call center and somebody calls into that call center, it'd be nice to know what that person's been through recently. So, for instance, uh, you know, example that we talked about is where they go into Smart Hub, which is our consumer presentation that our members use. Um, what, what features do they use in there? And some of this you might pipe through a free tool like Google Analytics, but that's anonymous. And so we've developed some auditing that allows us to see what pieces of Smart Hub consumers use and which ones they don't use. And when specific consumers call in, what are they interested in? Are they using the tool wrong? So with the army of CSRs that our, our members have on their staff, um, it could be very challenging to help train and, and educate all of them on how to you know, either upsell uh, new technologies coming out from the organization or to properly lever leverage the ones that are already there. 
and so when you have all this auditing, you can really help encourage the CSRs to get a very ubiquitous message on, you know, here's things that we should see. So if somebody calls in and asks about a high bill, um, and they never go to see their usage, and you have a smart meter there, we should absolutely be suggesting to that CSR that they should bring that up and possibly even walk the consumer through that experience. And again, you know, tying into civic duty, um, that really helps give a positive um, mentor-type relationship with uh, the consumers that are on your lines. What are some of the interesting things that folks have found on the electric side now that there's some of, the, some of this data available? What are some of the interesting uh, things people have found? Well, especially in electric, since they put smart meters on their house, you know, power has been kind of a mystery um, over time. You know, if you have a 30-day bill cycle and you're in the Midwest, depending where you're at, gosh, it could be 80 degrees, it could be 30 degrees, it's going to be hard to tell that. And so uh, one of our funniest examples when we turn, activated the system is a, a lady up in Minnesota called in and said, hey, you know, why is my power so high? Because she could see it now. And she was going to have a slightly higher than average bill, but one day was spiking really high. Um, turns out once we isolated the day and talked to her about it, um, she realized that that was uh, a day where we had a couple dozen college bowl games and her husband had taken a bunch of space heaters into the garage and left them running all day long in Minnesota in the dead of winter. So um, things like that, it gained her, they gained her confidence. And she had confidence in the utility. And I think on the telco side, I think we're going to start seeing those same types of tools as you try to coach people through you know, getting the right broadband plan, uh, making sure that they are getting the right performance that they expect to get. Um, now, electrics are uh, just kind of getting into a lot of them into uh, broadband, that sort of thing. Um, so are there some tools, uh, if, if they already have a relationship with NISC, I'm assuming that y'all have some tools to help with that as well. Yeah, we do have um, some marketing tools baked into the iView product line, and we actually have a new one coming out called iView Connect that helps wrap a lot of this up. Um, but the big thing, I think, is just trying to mine that data and get that into the people that are talking to the end customer right when they talk to them. Because when you're armed with that and you know what that customer's been through, you can have a much more intelligent conversation with them, uh, one that they're going to uh, have a positive um, feedback from as they walk away. Well, last thing, just uh, tell everybody kind of how to get in touch with you and what you do and, and how, how you can help them. Well, yeah. Um, I've had the pleasure to work at NIC for 13 years. I'm a computer science uh, major by trade. I've been doing software de development for about 20 years. Um, it's been a lot of fun. At NIC every day, um, I actually ma do two things. I'm the technology evangelist there. Um, I help do enterprise architecture throughout the organization and talk to our membership. And I also manage our innovations group, where a lot of these products, uh, especially for the marketing sign that I was uh, speaking to, uh, we developed a lot of those to help engage people draw them into the application, give them that teaser in an email so that they can get into your e-bill presentment and be a part of that uh, organization. So it's been a pretty fun ride. You know, we've watched uh, technology change quite a bit over the last few years here, uh, cloud computing, mobile computing. And I think one of the neatest things that's coming uh, that you may read a lot in the papers now is artificial intelligence and deep learning. Um, we're getting into that as well. And that's where um, you know, you try to get as much data as you can about the consumers, but respecting their privacy and their security um, so that you can provide the best service possible to them. Thanks for taking the time to be on with us. Hey, thank you for your time. It's been great. And that was Andy Johns, VP of the Telecom Division for Word South, speaking with Brad Molander, Technology Evangelist for NISC. They spoke at the recent R-Time event in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Stephen Smith, 
If you enjoy these podcasts, we encourage you to give us a review on iTunes and to share this with your friends and coworkers. We look forward to visiting with you again. And until then, keep telling your story. You've been listening to Story Connect, the podcast, a production of Word South, a content marketing company.